0: Hey MTT, Kim Torah, Thursday, Thursday's Shir, the series on Redemptive Sketches with Harav Moshe Targan. The Gemara in Sanhedrin, Davzadik Fes, notes uh, an apparent contradiction between two juxtaposed words in a Yeshaya, Perak Samoch, a parak which describes Guglas Yisrael, the redemption of Am Yisrael. The psukim towards the end of Parak Samach describe Hakadosh Hu, replacing the planets as illumination for the world. Ki Hashem Yeh L'chal Li'or Olam. The Shalmu yimei avleich, the days of mourning and lament, will conclude. The Amech Kulam Sadikim Li'olam Yushu Eretz Neitzer. Matai Maasei Yadai L'Hispair hisp- ma'ase Baruch Hu describes an Abi the Ruach HaKodesh describes a state which an entire people is righteous inheriting the earth Kodesh Baruch Hu's implant his creatures in whom he takes pride Maasei Yadai L'Hispair HaKatonyeh L'Elef HaTzair L'Gayatsum the small will grow the young will prosper the young nation of Amisrael. And the parah concludes, Ani Hashem, Be'ita Achishana. In its appropriate time, Be'ita Eight, Achishana, I will accelerate it, Lachish. The Gemara notes this very strange way, almost paradoxical manner of referring to Gula. Will HaKadosh Baruch Hu deliver redemption at its appointed time, as the first word suggests, Be'ita? Where will Geula be accelerated? Amarev Alexandri, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi Rami, Ksiv, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi question this phrase. Ksiv be'ita, V'ksiv achishana. So Yeshua ben Levi reconciles. Zachu achishana, lo zachu be'ita. If the Jewish people merit redemption, if Am Yisrael mandates or warrants akarish Baruch Hu's redemption through their behavior, through their commitment, then it will be accelerated. It will happen before the final conclusive moment. If Am Yisrael tarries, if Am Yisrael fails to meet certain standards and expectations through history, then the Geula will emerge hesitantly, and we'll have to wait for the Geula to be almost brokered by history rather than initiated through our own conduct and our own righteousness. This is the primary Gemara in Sanhedrin Tzadik which establishes the concept, the notion that there really are two models for Geula. And to a degree, the model of Geula that unfolds is a consequence of our own behavior. Zachu, Be'ita. Lo Zachu, achishena. It's an important Gemara. There's another Gemara in Sanhedrin which cites a very famous Machlokis Tanayim as well as the Machlokis Amarayim which in some ways is dependent on the Machlokis Tanaim, whether Gula will happen without Shuva. Rabbi says, the Gemara in Sanhedrin said, that without Shuva we won't be redeemed. Rabbi Yezre Osim Chuva Nigalim vimlav en Nigalim. disagrees. Even if we are not stirred to chuva on our own, gula will bring it out of us. The process of gula with the struggle of gula. Parallel to that famous machlokas between Rav and Shmuel. All the predetermined moments for gula have concluded. And still we haven't been redeemed. And therefore redemption is solely dependent on our behavior, and Shmuel in that Gemara in Sanhedrin Sadek suggests an almost automatic reality, automatic guarantee that Amisrael will be redeemed. So there was some debate amongst the Tanaim and the Amaraim to what degree Tshuva is a product, to what degree Tshuva is dependent on Am meriting it. But this Gemara, this statement of Yishua ben Levi, establishes a dualism. A multi part or a, a, a so, so to speak, dual manner or fashion of how gula may emerge. Zachu Achishana. Lo Zachu Be'ita. Baruch Hu gives us a choice. Gula is inevitable. Redemption will emerge in some ways independent of our behavior, but it will be slow and it will be painstaking rather than quick and electric if we do not merit it through our behavior, through our performance. Having established these two models for Geula, in which the only difference seems to be the pace, the Gemara continues to sharpen the difference or the discrepancy between these two models. The Gemara in Sanhedrin Sadi continues. Amar Alexandri, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, Rami Ksiv, Aru Im Ananei Kivar Inish Ata. In one of the more colourful dreams in Sefer Daniel, this is a dream described in Paragzayan, various different animals, apocalyptic looking or appearing animals. Finally, anane Kivar Enash Ase. There's uh, a, a a man, an old man who comes riding on clouds of glory, Kvar Enash And yet there's another Pasuk, which describes a potential candidate for Mashiach in much less glorious terms. The pasuk Daniel describes Melech Mashiach as riding on clouds of glory. The pasuk in Zechariah, however, in Paraktes, describes Mashiach Odbas rejoice, the daughter of Zion, Hari Bas Yushalayim, Hinei Yavolach Tzadik your king will come. Your Savior, the Righteous One, Ani v'rachev al-chamor. Impoverished and riding on top of a donkey. How will Mashiach appear? And of course, Mashiach doesn't merely refer to the personality, but the era and the experience. So Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi posited this question as well. v'arum ananei sh'maya ani al-chamor. And the resolve resolved this in the very same manner. Zachu, if we merit a glorified and magnificent redemption, Sarim clouds of glory. Lo Zachu, but if our behavior does not merit that level or type of redemption, then Mashiach will come riding as an impoverished visitor on a donkey. And again, this is a metaphor not just for the arrival of Mashiach or the personality of Mashiach, by the texture of redemption. This second contradiction in reconciliation, though structurally parallel to the first one, lodges an astounding astounding theory about the differing patterns of Gula. Not only will their pace be affected by the level of deservedness, but the actual texture and experience will be vastly different. It can be redemptive, euphoric, triumphant, and it could be painful, it could be uh, terrifying, it could be burdensome, as symbolized by a Mashiach figure riding on top of a slow walking donkey. Chazal were very sensitive to the possibility and the prospect of a painful form of Ge'ulah. Perhaps the most astounding statement, a little bit later on in the Gemara, Sanhedrin. Tzadik Ches Amar Ula Ula who craved Geula Ula Ula said Yeisei Vulau Ichmine It should come I hope Geula appears But I don't want to be part of Geula I don't want to be part Of the redemptive process Recognizing the potential For a process Which is defined Not in glorious And triumphant And comfortable terms but terrifying, apocalyptic, violent, and, and um, terms which cause people who experience the redemptive process not just to triumph but to suffer. Chazal captured this possibility that Geula would bring with it suffering and struggle The a very interesting phrase based on a Pasuk in Yeshaya, Perek The Pasuk in Yeshaya writes, Kimo hara takviv as a woman will approach the process of birthing, we'll begin the process of birthing, She will shake and scream in her birth pangs. So are we in your presence, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This pasok in Yeshaya, parakhavav, is interpreted as a reference to to the things known as chevle Mashiach, the birth pains preceding Mashiach. Chazal, based on this Pasuk, chose the metaphor, the image of a woman birthing. In order to reach the euphoria, the joy of bringing life, a woman has to endure nine months of hardship and then more immediate intensifying moments of physical discomfort. Similarly, when Mashiach will come and will bring ultimate historical life, history will contract. Just as a woman experiences contractions, history will contract. And the era of Mashiach will be preceded by periods of suffering, warfare. Rashi, it is commentary to Yeshaya Parikh of Pasuk Yudzayin, writes, Rashi, of course, lived through the Crusades and lived through so much suffering, living as he did in France. We witness the constantly renewing terror and suffering. And we are led to believe And the only way we can interpret these hardships and the severe suffering and subjugation is that Gula must be around the corner. We are promised to be redeemed Mitoch from hardship and suffering as a pregnant and birthing woman. So this pasuk in Yeshaya, Chavav, became the touchstone for the concept of Khevle Mashiach, a concept which in theory can be avoided by deserving by warranting a different and higher form of Gula. But if we don't warrant that form, then the navi informs us that Gula may be preceded by very, very difficult stretches of history in general and of Jewish history in particular. The duality of Gula, the prospect that it could develop along very, very different terms based on the level of merit of Am Yisrael, was articulated very clearly and very intriguingly by the Arachayim in his commentary to um, two, two, um, two instances in the Torah in which there seems to be a duality presented about Geula. The first of these comments can be found in Vayikra Parak Parshas Parshas Bahar, which deals, amongst other things, with a person, a presumably poor individual, who sold himself into slavery, and the Parsha describes the various methods for redeeming that individual, for paying off the debt and emancipating. The Torah begins in. So, this section obviously describes selling land, which is uh, part of the family heritage, and various manners of redeeming that land and returning it to the family legacy to the family portfolio. There are two options that are described in Parshas Bahar. The first option is a person who sells his land, and a relative, in this case called a goel, which is a very important phrase, close to the seller, will redeem it for him. This is really the first and the only time in the Hamisha Chum shaytara, in the books of Chumash, that the phrase Ge'ula is, re- is mentioned. We typically associate Ge'ula with national and historical redemption. In Parshah's Bahar, it describes literally the restoration and, and the emancipation of sold lands. Obviously, the powerful metaphor is that Ge'ula can't be complete without the return to land. The Archaim takes this passage about the re entitlement or the restoration of sold lands as a reference. To Mashiach, the Torah describes two very different conditions in which the land can be redeemed. The first condition, Uva Galoha Karov Elov, there is a clear and distinct redeemer who initiates the process of restoration. The next couple of psukim describe a very different scenario, Veish Kilohi Elo Goel, a person who doesn't have a redeemer, so he of course has to initiate his own restorator- restorative process by assessing the amount he owes and trying to cobble together the money to pay off the debt and to restore his land. To the Arachayim, this parallelism signified two very different forms of, literally, Gula. The first case in which there's a clear Goel, the Goel being a Kodesh Baruch Hu, his Shliach, Mashiach, who is ready almost immediately to redeem the lands, to redeem Am Israel. The second scenario is where there isn't a distinct Goel. Further scrutiny of these two tracks of Geula yields the fact that the Torah, when describing the second track, when there really isn't a ready and willing and able Goel, the Specifically here the Torah mentions the inevitable calculation of how many years the land was owned by the purchaser, how many years are left on the sale, on the purchase, how many years till Yovel. Of course, this haggling takes place regardless, but the Torah mentions the financial negotiations of trying to afford the emancipation and trying to cobble together money and calculate the difference. It only mentions it in this second case. And in this iteration, the Arachayim sees... A G'ula process, which we don't necessarily deserve, a term of Golos which we have to sort of pay off, which we can't be freed from immediately without calculation, and the calculation of how much we owe Akarish Hu, how much we owe gullus. the Lashon, the language of the Arachayim, in his comments to Pasach HaVav, describing the scene where there isn't a distinct goel, Ki HaYesurim, Viha Haim Tikkun Ha'uma Lahakshirah. Yisurim and Galus are meant to purify, to improve our nation. Pasach of Zayin, he actually describes the Gemara referring to Chevlei Mashiach. According to the Arachayim, this second uh, scenario, second form of Geula, which would be slow and painful and would exact literally a price, because we would not merit redemption on our own, was already alluded to by this dualism in Parshas Behar. The second instance, which is even more prophetic and even redemptive in its context, relates to several passages uttered by Bilaam. I mentioned in a previous shear the aversion amongst Chazal to delve too deeply and too specifically into the prophetic details of Amisol's redemption. Bilaam feels no such inhibition. And it's not incidental that Billam is really the prophet who speaks, at least in the Hamish <laughs> Shacham with greatest detail about the redemptive process. And he really coins the phrase, Achris <laughs> Hayamim. In Parshas Balak, of course, Parchav Dalad, <laughs> after he's about to take leave of Balak having failed to curse Am Yisrael, <laughs> I return to my people, yatscha <laughs> Sharia I will speak of, eschatology. I will speak of the end of days and he begins almost as a preface I see a vision of those events, but it's not immediate I can behold them, but they're not proximate, they're remote a star will shoot from Jacob, come shave at me, Israel, and a tribe will arise amongst the Jewish people now each of Bilaam's statements is almost like a couplet, in which repeats the same theme. "I see it, but not immediately." "I behold it, but Essentially, uttering the same message that he can behold the redemptive process, but it isn't immediate; it's not pending. But why does he repeat every statement? "Darach kochav miyakov," a star will emerge from the house of Jacob, "become shavat Mizrach." The Aruch Ayim saw in these very. Saturated lines, lines which are saturated with redemptive meaning and imagery, he saw that same dualism that Bilam himself was uttering, was informing Balak and through Balak the entire community, Amisrael, of course, as readers of the Torah, that Ku'ulah can develop, can evolve very, very differently. If we are meritorious, Zachu, Achishen, or based in the Gemara and Sanhedrin, then we'll be apocalyptic, supernatural, miraculous. Star-like, like a shooting star. It's not immediate, but it can happen. It will be quicker. It will be accelerated. It won't happen as soon as Bilam speaks it, but it's relatively sooner. These prophetic lines, so to speak, have to be divided into A B A B. Part A, this describes the structure and dynamic of Gula assuming we're meritorious. Asheren of a karov, if we don't merit it, and it's long and painstaking and delayed, and it's defined by low karov, not soon at all, even more protracted and lengthy than the galos, which HaKadosh Baruch Hu accelerates, which was defined as lo atah, this is defined as low karov, then it will be more natural. Come Shevet Mishrael. There aren't any shooting stars or apocalyptic imagery. So there are two, there is actually a third location in the Torah, where the Arachayim inferred or, or detected the duality of Gaula, but these are the two locations in which she expresses it most clearly. One being a, a reference in Parsha's Behar, which describes Gaula in the context of reparating lands, the other being Bilam's prophetic visions of the end of time and the end of history. The struggles associated with the process of gula, especially if that process unfolds in more natural and burdensome and, and um, difficult form. The struggles are also referenced three instances by in the Nevi'im, or twice in Nevi'im and once in Xuvim. And in many ways, that process is seen as a filtering process to discriminate between those of sturdy and robust faith in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that are able to maintain that conviction and that vision, even through difficult, straining moments, stressful moments nationally and historically, and those who lose their faith when faced with this type of adversity. The first moment, the first passage in Nevi'im, which references the challenge of the Messianic process, and the challenge to our faith that that process will pose, can be detected in Malachi Paragimel, the concluding parak of Sefer Malachi, beginning commencing with Pasuk Yerdalin, which begins to describe a very almost gloomy picture, which the population um, believes Amartem they will speak. People in general will speak Shav Avod elokim. it's worthless or futile to continue serving Hashem. Uma ki Shamaru what profit will we make by maintaining his mitzvahs? Mass defection from the religious experience, mass betrayal and abandonment of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And in response, Az Nidbaru, Pasuk Tezayin, as at that point, those who still fear God will mention one to another, reinforcing each other's faith. Vayakshav Hashem vayishma, God will overhear, will eavesdrop upon the attempts to reinforce each other's faith. Vayikasev sefer zikaron lefanav. And God will write their names in some sort of historical sefer zikaron liere Hashem ulchoshvei shemo to those who continue to fear Hashem and those who still consider His name and His calling. Very interesting portrait of struggles, messianic challenges that are so difficult that they cause many to lose their faith leaving only a few who are able to sustain it and be included within some historical book of Zikaron. Very interesting, Medrash Tanchuma in Parshas Emor, Simon Zayin, Amar of Yirmiya ben Elazar, Asida Baskol liyos mifotsetes berasheh haharim Omerus. One day a voice from heaven will reverberate, on the peaks of various mountains, and it will announce, "Call Misha, Paul, Imel, whoever worked alongside of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, Yavov Scharo, should come and receive their reward." The ruach Hakodesh Tzavachas Veomeres, and Hashem's Ruach Hakodesh recites, mi vashalem, who, pre- who preceded me in this redemptive process. I will reimburse, I will compensate. It's a very interesting medrash about the human role in the redemptive process, something which Emir Hashem will discuss in future, Shira. But it does give a trace or a sense of those who are able to reciprocate, participate and retain their faith to the struggle of the Messianic era and those who are not. Vaskol announces an invitation whoever worked with HaKadosh Baruch who should come and be compensated and be included, evidently there are many who are excluded. And this is the tone of those psukim in Malachi Paragimel, Parag, which of course ends with the very famous promise Notice again Malachi the Navi speaks of those whose faith will be shattered and those whose faith will be sustained, doesn't necessarily exclude those with shattered faith. Rather, reminds those whose faith is sustained of special inclusion in a safer known as Sefer Zikaron. A second instance in which the scene of the Messianic era is depicted as one in which there is a selection or a filtration of those with firm faith and those whose faith is fragile. And even a parallel reference can be detected in the end of Daniel, the last parak of Daniel, parak Yud Beis. The first pasuk of parak Yud Beis perhaps describes the difficulties facing the end of times in more detailed fashion. If sahid those days, and of course Sefer Daniel, in its entirety describes the process of Gula, as most believe, the process of ultimate gula. Uva Isahi, Ya HaSaragadol, Michael Gadol. Michael the angel will stand. Haumeid Al Benea Mecha. The Ha Eis Tzara. There will be a time of great crisis. Asher Long nihi Yasa Yazgoi at Isahi, which we have never encountered since our birth as a nation. A once in history type crisis. Uva <speaking> Isahi, <in Hebrew> and during those moments, our nation will be spared, will be rescued, will flee. All those whose names are included in that Sefer. Daniel does not tell us which Sefer. The Rebbeinah Sajjagon, as well as the Malbim in his parish to Daniel, Each suggests that the Sefer obliquely referred to in Sefer Daniel is the same Sefer Zikaron mentioned in those Psukim in Malachi Paragimel. A Sefer reserved for those who are considered Yirei Hashem, Choshvei Shemo, Oz Nidbru Yirei Hashem, Ish El Reyehu, who reinforce each other's faith as opposed to those who abandon their faith. So Daniel seems to take one step further, not just suggesting a crisis of faith in which some succeed and some fail, but even perhaps implying exclusion from parts of the redemptive process for those who fail, certain stages of that process. But each portray the difficult theological and, of course, national experiences attendant which accompany the conclusion of history and the redemptive process. Perhaps the final instance in which there is a reference far less glaring, far less obvious to the difficulties of maintaining faith during the process of Ahri Sayamim is a Pasuk in Yeshaya, Parachas, Pasuk Zayin. The Pasuk itself and the context of the Pasuk does not necessarily speak of Ahri Sayamim but many midrashim did contextualize this pasuk as a reference to Afres Hayamim. I will await for God. Hamastir panav mi'beis Yaakov, who will conceal his face from the house of Jacob, from the Jewish people. Vesilo, and I will await him, and I will anticipate him. So thematically, the pasuk speaks of moments when Hakadosh Baruch Hu and His Ashkacha, His providence, are not altogether visible, and of a response by the righteous, by the firm of faith, to maintain, to wait, to believe, several Midrashim see this Pasuk as an additional reference to the very trying theological moments of the process of Geula. And of course, Yeshaya is posing the preferred response of patience and faith. So Chazal had very different versions of the redemptive process. They were detected primarily in that Pasuk in Yeshaya, which combined the phrase Be'ita with the phrase achishana. And Chazal were able to trace very different models for the redemptive process, fearing the struggles and the adversity and the challenges which a redemptive process which is not motivated or incited by our merit may pose and the challenges which those crises would pose to people theologically in their attempts to maintain faith during the struggle of the redemptive process.